Welcome to Scrollin', a podcast about the Elder Scrolls Online. I'm Ket. I'm Davius. This is episode number 72. Well, let's go ahead and get started. We'll start with uh, some PTS talk. Um, so we'll start with PTS week two, um, which we should have covered this in our last episode, but it was actually left out of the initial patch notes and they added it like the next day. So uh, I just overlooked it. But that uh, that new monster set, Nazare, that we were saying is going to be so overpowered in PvE, uh, it extends the duration of all uh, major minor debuffs and damage over time effects on enemies. And we're not the only ones that were like thinking of the PVE implications there, right? Like if you look at YouTube videos and stuff, people yeah, were one, like, all that right. That one really took off. That one really ballooned yeah. up there. Well, don't worry. You're not going to get to use it because uh, <laughs> um, it no longer is going to apply to damage over time effects. It's uh, it's only going to extend the duration of major minor debuffs, uh, not dots. That balloon has been popped. <laughs> yep. They stoonsed oh, it. Done got stoonsed. I, my... I get why they did this. You know, we talked about this, but I wish they would have at least changed it in a way that still allowed for people to be somewhat excited about it. Because it just went from like, like you said, like all these pre-made videos and all these people excited. And now it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be code. Nobody's going to be using the thing. <laughs> yeah, that was my thought. Like, couldn't we have just adjusted those numbers a little bit? You know, like, I feel like the idea was a good idea. Maybe we could have just kind of tweaked it a little bit, but they just completely gutted it. It went from being like the most overpowered thing for PvE to an absolutely useless item. And for a um, DLC dungeon, and you can only get this from the veteran version of a DLC dungeon, some of the most difficult content in the game, you know, it, it, this should be... A very enticing reward, and yeah. it really isn't now. That's a little bit of a bummer. I mean, probably not going to be uh, really relevant to my gameplay or your gameplay, but uh just seems frustrating for the people who are looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, week three, that was uh, version 7.3.2. Um, a couple of interesting things happened here. So the um, the two-handed carve ability, which is the more, uh, one of the morphs of Cleave, that's that AoE spammable ability. Um, so the current version, um, it applies a, a bleed dot to your target for 12 seconds, and then you can stack it up to three times. You can cast it on that target one, two, three times, and now you have three bleeds on them uh, all ticking at the same time. Um, they're changing it so that now that dot no longer stacks, and instead um, those stacks increase the duration of the dot for 10 seconds. Um, so you're only getting one dot, but you're adding 10 seconds each time you uh, cast that ability uh, it still caps off at three stacks. So that'd be 30 seconds total uh, you get from that dot. They also increase the dot damage by about 66%. Uh, so they say that's going to result in less overall DPS from the ability, but it's going to make the ability easier to use as well. I'm wondering if that's actually going to result in like more actual DPS in your rotation. Since that dot's lasting longer, you can cast other abilities without having to refresh that. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, we're about to talk a little bit more about this similar theme, but a lot of these dot abilities are kind of getting these extended longer durations, which, you know, and their comments are, is it, you know, it's a little bit easier to manage. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I don't really have a huge issue with that. I think it's very uh, going to be less use in PVP and, you know, it's very PVE focused. Very PVE focused. And that seemed to kind of be the idea with that Nazare set. They wanted to 
They wanted to allow you to not have to worry about managing your dots all that much so you can focus on other abilities. Uh, and I guess they just realized that was going to be way too powerful for them to balance it properly. So they're, they're doing it by adjusting these other abilities, just individual dots, extending the duration of those. Yeah, that's a good point. So the dev comment on that one, they said uh, Carve was just too strong compared to other dots, so it just didn't fit on the spreadsheet, you know. Um, so they're trading uh, that damage for a longer duration so that you can focus on other abilities, like we were just saying. Another two-handed ability, Stampede, which is uh, one of the morphs of Critical Charge, the Gap Closer. Um, I think these are pretty good changes here. They reduce the initial um, damage of the ability by 20%, uh, and they also increase the cost uh, also by, by about 20%. They also increase the duration of the ground AOE to 15 seconds instead of 10 seconds, and they increase the dot damage by about 3%. So the important thing there to me is reducing that initial damage by 20% and increasing the cost by about 20% as well. Um, a lot of people are just straight up, in PvP at least, a lot of people are just straight up using this ability as they're spammable. Um, and having a, a gap closer as a spammable that deals all this AOE damage to me is, it's just very annoying, very frustrating to deal with. I think this takes it out of viability to use yeah. that way. Like now you'll still use it as a gap closer just to, you know, close that gap, but you're not going to be able to afford to just keep spamming it over and over and over again. Plus it's not going to be doing enough damage for that to even be worthwhile anyway. So I, I like that personally. Yeah, I think it still gets used as a gap closer, like you said, but kind of the same thing we, you know, with the carve ability is it kind of got this PVE dot treatment. Uh, yep. It seems very PVE focused. Um, you know, the extension, you know, the extending of the actual dot, which is good in PVE, but very bad in PVP. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A, a PVP nerf, a hundred percent. Um, PVE, I don't know if that would be considered a nerf or a buff. Seems like maybe a buff, adding five seconds to the dot, yeah. possibly. Uh, and, and the dot damage is being slightly increased as well. Uh, Grizzly Khan is asking, will this affect uh, the use of Rush of Agony? Mm, I don't know, because this set has a cooldown, so it's not like you have to be spamming this ability in order to you know, fully utilize that set. So if anything, I think Rush of Agony is probably going to become more popular because Dark Convergence is going to become more popular because it's getting fixed, basically. So I doubt it. Fixed. I kind of doubt and it. We're doing we're doing air quotes when we say that. <laughs> yeah, fixed. <laughs> uh, it's still I've been playing battlegrounds. You know, we're in this PvP event right now, and I've been doing so many battlegrounds. And man, that thing is still just everywhere. Dark conversions all the time. Never not dark conversions. Anyway, the changes to Stampede. The the reason the dev comment here basically is that <laughs> this is pretty funny. The the other morph just basically wasn't as good in com uh, in comparison. <laughs> Uh, so essentially they just, this is my own kind of paraphrase, but they basically just wanted to nerf this one so that the other morph looked better is <laughs> what they said. <laughs> um, that's annoying. I, I don't know. It's, it's always, I don't know if that's actually their real reason or if that's just what they're saying, but that's just a silly reason. If like, why not just buff that other ability? Yeah, it, seems, it seems like it'd be more popular to buff the other ability than be like, Oh, that other ability is really bad. So we kind of yeah. tried to make this one bad as well <laughs> yeah not that i'm complaining i mean like i said this ability i think is too strong as it is right now but that that comment is just weird to me like why not just say you know the ability is too strong we needed to, to tone it down a bit but, um from vampire the blood frenzy ability so this is that ability that you toggle it on and it gives you 630 
weapon and spell damage right away. Uh, and it costs 1,400 health per second, and then that cost increases by 20% each second that it stays active into infinity, right? There's no cap to that. Uh, and also, you cannot be healed by any other players other than yourself while it's active. So it's a it's a very high risk, very high reward um, ability. That 630 weapon and spell damage is juicy, but basically you have to kind of get in, get out, and turn it off before you die, you know, is kind of how it's used right now. They are changing it. So now, um, instead of getting that 630 weapon and spell damage right away, you gain these uh, stacks of 30 weapon and spell damage um, uh, up to a maximum of 10 stacks. So that means you'll have a, an absolute maximum of 300 weapon and spell damage when you have all 10 stacks instead of 630. So less than half the, the original amount. Um, and also it's going to tick every two seconds instead of every one second. So you're gaining those stacks and you're, you're spending your health every two seconds instead of every one second. They say they wanted to do that so that your health is getting drained slower. Um, so they're basically just trying to make it easier to use. So it'll take 20 seconds to get all 10 of those stacks to have that 300 weapon and spell damage. Also, the health cost now inc uh, increases by a flat 250 health per stack rather than uh, 20% every second with no cap. So as it is right now, like we were saying earlier, you know, that 20% can just keep going on and on and on and on and on until you literally, there's no possible way you can survive it. Now, actually there is a cap to that. You're going to, that cost is going to be increased by 250 health until you reach those 10 stacks. And then it, that's where it stops. And that's just what the cost is going to be from that point forward. And they've also reduced the base cost down to 700 instead of that 1400. Um, so all, all in all, they're lowering the risk and the reward basically yeah. at the same time, right? Um, so if you have all 10 stacks, uh, that total health cost would be 3,200 every two seconds. So that, that would average to 1,600 per second, right? Which is somewhat manageable, I would say. Yeah, I would definitely say that's manageable. Uh, do remember that you still cannot be healed by other players while you're using it. So it is entirely up to you to mitigate that kind of dot that's being placed on you there. Um, so that's the base ability, the Simmering Frenzy Morph. Um, all it does now is it increases the damage per stack to 40 instead of 30. So you would get 400 weapon and spell damage when you have all 10 stacks after 20 seconds. Grizzly Khan says, Zoss hates vamp. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Sated Fury Morph, this is the one that I think is going to be the more popular morph. Um, so currently, um, what this morph does is it gives you a burst heal whenever you toggle the ability off. Um, so now it's going to still do that, but in addition to that, it's also going to reduce the ramping cost of the ability to 200 per stack instead of 250 per stack. So now when you have all 10 stacks, uh, that would be 2,700 health every two seconds, uh, which averages to 1,350 per second, which I think is a very, very manageable health yeah. cost. So that's what I think. I think most people are going to use that one for 100 difference in the, in the damage, I think, having such a more uh, a way easier health cost plus you know if you get to a point where you're like all right i need to turn this off or i'm about to die well when you turn it off you also get a big burst heal with this morph as well so that seems like the one most people are going to use uh the dev comment basically they say that this ability this is my own paraphrase again they say that this ability is too hard to use for inexperienced players um but for players who can use it well it's giving them way too much power so you kind of have these very like kind of polar opposite groups of people who can't use it at all and people who can use it way, way too well. Uh, that's kind of 
how they're seeing it there. Davis, what are your thoughts, man? I, I'm actually kind of excited about this change, uh, mainly because I think this ability, it has PvP viability now, where I think before it was absolutely, you're not going to use this in PvP. If you kicked this on in PvP before, you're just going to get yourself killed. You're just asking to get yourself killed very quickly. You know, that 20% health cost every second, like, you know, maybe if you're toggling it on and off, but I just, that was such a high risk in Battlegrounds with all the damage flying around. Uh, I just think that maybe you could get an ability off with that extra weapon damage, but you're really just asking to get yourself killed. With that cost going down, especially with the Sated Morph, you know, like we said, that's a very sustainable uh, damage over time on yourself. I think that it could really have PvP viability in the sense that it's a nice little damage buff. Uh, and you know you can set up some some hots on yourself to maybe mitigate that and and where you're just gonna kind of get that extra damage uh, that you need. So I'm actually kind of excited to see Vampire maybe get some more PvP abilities. I, I'm not saying that they're not used in PvP, but I'm just tired of seeing this form as the only ability used in Battlegrounds. <laughs> yeah, or the Scion <laughs> Ultimate. Yeah, it's like I, you know, maybe that maybe this is something that you know with the right build you could this could really see some viability. I think when you take that risk down, um, but still get a you know a three a three hundred weapon damage buff is is pretty nice if you can mitigate that risk where it can be worth it uh i think that could you know line up a a nice little combo along with that and maybe you kick it off if if you need to yeah i see it a little bit differently i see it as it's kind of a as far as pvp goes anyway i think it's just an entirely different use case completely like uh this ability right now is just for gankers yeah it's what this ability is used for is you turn this on right when you're about to go for the gank you get 630 damage to to your gank ability so you're you're probably gonna kill that person and then you turn it right back off as soon as it's over go invisible get away um that's that's how it's being used right now um but now i mean you got to wait 20 seconds to get the the maximum amount of this and even then it's going to be half of what you were getting before so it's definitely not a turn it on, turn it back off sort of thing. It's it's a turn it on, keep it on, and try to figure out how to how to make that work. Um, at the same time, the only heals you can get are from yourself. Nobody else can heal you. Um, that's the same as before and now. So because of that, I'm thinking like in a battleground, it makes it even less desirable than the the previous version because. Like I said, you have to let it go on for 20 seconds to get the full value out of that. That whole time, nobody can heal you that entire time. To me, like I don't have any vampires, so probably maybe yeah, someone neither. who <laughs> plays a lot of vampire can write in and, and share some insights that we're not, uh, we're just not privy to. But to me, the the main use case to me seems to be solo PVE, like doing, you know, Vatishran yeah. Arena or something like that, or or uh, Maelstrom Arena where no one's going to be healing you anyway. Uh, and that's a lot of extra damage that you can have, but like using it in group PVE, you're, you're going to need to have group heals. I think in battlegrounds, you're, you're going to need to have group heals. Um, so I think it's still probably for solo gankers or just solo players in general, like in Cyrodiil or Imperial city where you're playing just all on your own. And if you have enough self heals to, to compensate for that, uh, little kind of dot you're putting on yourself, then it's a pretty good amount of extra damage that you can have in your build and, and it can be worth it. But that's the thing is like, it's just a totally different thing. It, it, it used to be, or it is right now, 
turn it off, do your gank, turn or turn it on, do your gank, turn it back off. Now it's you have to let it keep going for a long time to get anything out of it. And during that time, you're vulnerable in a lot of ways. So I don't know. I feel like people who are using it right now are probably going to stop using it or they're going to put it on a different kind of build. I could see it being big for like a one VX or type PvP. Whether you're you mm-hmm. know, whether you're that type in a BG or whether you're that type in, in sewers or, you know, Imperial City or Cyrodiil. Yeah, that's yeah, I see that. I see like solo like one VXers and like solo yeah. PvE is is where I see it kind of being used the most. Is my prediction there. So yeah, that's kind of it for week three. Week four, which is the week we're in right now, nothing at all. Minor adjustments and fixes, a lot of just kind of little things to dungeons and quests and stuff like that. Um, So if they go with their normal pattern, we should have a week five next week where, again, probably very little uh, changes are going to happen. The week after that uh, will probably be a dead week where there's not even any patch notes to look at. Uh, And then the following Monday for PC uh, is when we actually get the release. That's uh, March 14th, I think. Um, So we're two weeks away from this patch dropping. I'm actually really, really excited for this one. You got a sork just waiting. Oh, he's waiting. He's, he's just waiting. He's not waiting actually at all. He's, no, he's that's been true. he's been out there ripping it up, but yeah, he's ready. It's funny too because I'm like, I don't even know anything about these dungeons. I really don't care about the actual content being released at all. It's just the <laughs> it's just the balance changes that I'm excited about. All right, I want to I want to give it a. A few tips, a few kind of things that I've observed and have learned over the last couple of weeks, things I just want to share with some people. Um, first tip, shout out to our friend Munchie, a.k.a. Mr. Siege. Uh, he's the one that kind of pointed this out to me. Also CPU scientist. We, we talked about this a little bit as well. But um, basically, Stamina Templars and Magicka Dragonites are getting these secret buffs that aren't obvious, or they weren't obvious to me uh, until this was pointed out to me. So... In the case of Templars, uh, Templars have this uh, Illuminate passive, uh, and what that does is when you cast a Dawn's Wrath ability, you give yourself and your group Minor Sorcery, which is uh, like 10% boost to your spell damage, just spell damage. And I believe that is the only source of Minor Sorcery in the entire game. You can't get it any anywhere else. And that's for a Templar, that's the only thing that you have that applies to just spell damage, not weapon damage. Right, So that means Templars are capable of stacking spell damage higher than they can weapon damage. So because of this hybridization situation that we're getting, if you are a stamina Templar, you need to be stacking spell damage, not weapon damage, and you'll have more damage that way. So for my Stamplar, that's really just a matter of changing my jewelry glyphs. I just Instead of weapon damage glyphs, I'm going to put spell damage glyphs on there, uh, and that's all I have to do. Every other source of damage that I have is already hybridized. It's already giving me equal amounts of both. So all I really have to do is change my jewelry glyphs. Um, if you're using a damage Mundus, uh, like the warrior Mundus, you'd want to switch over. I think it's the apprentice that gives you spell damage. Uh, but that's it. I think for most builds, that's all it's going to be is just jewelry glyphs and, and maybe Mundus stone. Um, otherwise, everything else can stay exactly the same. Keep your points into stamina um, and your abilities will scale off of your max spell damage and max stamina. Um, so basically that's just a straight 10% damage buff to Stamplars. Yeah, it's pretty huge. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially considering like uh, Deadly Strikes has been nerfed uh, a couple of times. And to me, like Deadly Strikes is just part of being a Stamplar. So, you know, <laughs> basically my damage has been nerfed by about 5% over the last few patches, but now it's being boosted back up by 10%. So it's totally compensating, more than compensating for that, which is kind of nice. Um, in the case of Dragonites, it's like it's basically the opposite. Uh, Dragon Knights have the Mountain's Blessing passive. When you cast an Earthen Heart ability, you give your, uh, yourself and your group Minor Brutality. And same thing, uh, it's the only source of Minor Brutality in the game, uh, and it's the only thing Dragon Knights have that applies to weapon damage but not spell damage. Um, so Dragon Knights are just capable of stacking their weapon damage way higher, or a little higher, than uh, spell damage. Um, so it's basically just the opposite of Stamplars. If you're a Magicka Dragonite, you want to be using weapon damage glyphs on your jewelry. You want to be using the Warrior Mundus if you're using a Damage Mundus. Uh, and that's basically going to be a 10% damage buff uh, to your build. Yeah. You were kind of witness this. When when you were first talking to me about this, it was like, I was like, no, like this, this is weird. Like this can't be. And, and I've kind of come around a little bit full circle. You know, I've kind of realized that like that initial part of me was clinging on to this Stamplar has to do stamina things like, uh, you know, like <laughs> a mag DK has to do magic of things. So, but I've actually kind of come around to this, that this hybridization is just, everything's all tipsy turvy. Uh, well, it's not like changing like the abilities that you're using. It's not yeah. changing how you're playing. It's just for, for my Templar, it's just the glyphs that I'm putting on my jewelry. Nothing else is changing. Yeah. Well, then that's, that's kind of how I, I've actually kind of come around to this because it, it, in a way, it kind of adds a little bit of uniqueness to these two classes. It's kind of like this one little more kind of special thing that a, that a Templar and a DK have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a pretty nice little class buff, you know, to, to both of them. Oh, yeah. I think temp- I think Stamplars certainly can use it. DKs, I'm not so sure they need any more buffs. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but they're getting it anyway. <laughs> But I'm pumped about it for Stamplars. Stamplars are, you know, they're kind of middle of the heap. They definitely could use a little bit of love. And I think they're going to be in a much better spot uh, with this update. Uh, DKs are already overpowered. They do not need 10% extra damage, but they're getting it anyway. I kind of look at it in the sense that it's it's really a mag DK buff. And when I think of like overpowered DKs, I'm thinking the Stam DKs right now are kind of, you know, on, on top and the mag DKs aren't quite to their level so I pretty think, close <laughs> <laughs> they're just it's just Zoss they're trying to get all these other classes on the level of the Sork that's really what they're trying to do right now <laughs> yeah um, alright so that's that tip thanks uh, Munchie aka Mr. Siege for pointing that out to us uh, another tip if you are a uh, Magicka Templar particularly if you're a healer Templar and you're playing some Battlegrounds mm. I would urge you to consider using the Resto Staff Ultimate instead of your class ah. healing ultimate remembrance. Davius, you experienced this. You came to this conclusion yes. on your own and a while you, ago. And right? you know how tough this was for me because I love that ability. It's, it is such a cool ability, cool looking ability. And really, you know, I was thinking about this, and, and you're 100% right. I used to use this ability. You get stuck in place and you just become the ultimate target dummy. And now Absolutely. in BG's. I do the same thing. When I see somebody do this ability, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, this person is just lining up waiting for me to unload. Um, it's yeah. very rarely do you even get a heal strong enough to even live through the ability, but you are just locked in place trying to do this heal, and they're going to focus 
everybody's going to focus you because you are standing out. They see that you're trying to heal. It's just it's just all of the AOE or all of the the focus. Yeah, it's a very bright, very big, shining animation. It draws everyone's attention to you immediately. Like ever, it's like it's blinding, right? And you're like standing there in place. You can't move while you're casting, and it lasts several seconds. And yeah, now you have eight enemies all focused on you. That, uh, <laughs> you put this giant target on your back. Like there's the healer. There they are. And yeah, if they're going to start target dummying you, if you survive through the ultimate, which you probably won't. But if you do, you're going to die right away as soon as it's over. Yeah. Right. Uh, and even then, even if you somehow manage to escape uh, out of that situation, now everyone knows who the healer is. Yeah. And they're going to be focusing you for the entire rest of the match. Just don't use Remembrance. Use the Resto <laughs> Ult instead. It's a very, very good ultimate. It's an instant cast. You can bar swap, cancel it. Plus, everyone uses it anyway. So even if someone does see you using it, they're not going to immediately think that you're the healer. You know, like it's... Not as strong because the the heal that it does, like it does basically a really strong heal over time and it only heals one person at a time, but the heal bounces around from target to target. Whoever needs it from one tick to the next, that's who it gives it to. Um, so I, I think it's basically just as good, actually better than Remembrance because yeah. you can you can just cast it and, and move on. This is the equivalent of a PvP taunt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the taunt PvP. And, and really, you know... Really what I wish this ability – I wish this ability would get the bow alt treatment, you know, that that's kind of still a channel ability, but at least you can move. If this ability could still be that channel type ability but still allow you to move, I think I would that love would be, if, oh, it'd be if huge kept, for this ability. <laughs> if they kept it the same from the waist up, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> you could move from the waist down. <laughs> they have to keep the animation the same. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I would love that. That would be awesome looking. Uh, Dr. Professor, great. welcome to the chat, dude. Thanks for joining us, man. Um, next tip. If you are a sorcerer on the PCNA server and you're in Battlegrounds spamming Daedric Mines and doing nothing but that, I'm just giving you a warning. I'm coming for you. All right. <laughs> Get Sparrowhawks coming for you. The threat, the threat has been laid. Oh, man. It is like... Davis, you can back me up on this. For some reason, like in the past month, there has been this huge increase in sorcerers just doing nothing but spamming mines everywhere all the time. It's the only thing they do, and it just makes it miserable for everyone else in the battleground. Um, so I've been making it a point to to make that my priority target. I'm ignoring Nightblades. I'm ignoring werewolves. You know, I'm going wow. straight for the for the for the mine spamming sorcerer every single time. They're usually an easy kill, so that's also a, an, an incentive because. I'm going to get those kills almost every single time, and it's going to make the whole match so much more enjoyable for everyone else. Um, it's just super annoying. It's extremely effective. Um, so if, you want, if you're a sorcerer and you just want to do something easy that is helpful for your team and very, very effective, you can just spam mines. But if you see Cat Sparrowhawk <laughs> on an enemy team... Think twice. You all heard him. He, he's moving them <laughs> above the werewolf. That werewolf was at that top spot for years. Mm -hmm. This is big. This is big. Oh, that is driving me crazy. Like almost every match lately. And it's not just the same player. It's like different players. There's a lot of people that have been doing that lately. Just yeah. spamming that everywhere. Just and like all over the place. you'll stand in these mines. So the, the Daedric Mines, if you don't know, it's like those purple circles they put on the ground. And if you stand in it, it blows up, deals a ton of damage, and it immobilizes you. And so they'll throw them on top of you and then you'll like move out of the way and then they'll throw them there. And then Ugh. you'll move out of the way and then they'll throw them there. And you can just, just never not be in them. And 
they're long range. You can toss them from like 28 meters away. So it's easy for them to just hang back and throw them into the fight over and over and over and over again. So I just make it my top top priority. I see those mines (laughs) on the ground. I figure out who the heck is spamming those. I'm going for that person every single time. It's usually the Sork that's really far away from the fight. They're up on a ledge somewhere. Making me crazy. Um, I want to talk a little bit about these bash builds. We talked on the last episode about how uh, the power slam sword and shield ability is kind of being reworked to uh, scale with bash damage because they're trying to add viability to these uh, bash builds. And we've never really played a bash build, so we're not really kind of privy to all the ins and outs. But I've looked into it a bit since then because we were saying on the last episode, I'm not sure this is really something a, a bash build would want to use because it's it's a active skill. It has to be on the global cooldown, whereas regular bash, you can cast it three times per second, right? That's the kind of the unique thing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, bash builds are absolutely going to be using this ability. I can tell you that. For one, so it scales with, like if you spec into bash damage, it scales with that, but it also still scales with weapon and spell damage like it always has. Um, or it, it scales with weapon damage right now, but it'll scale with weapon and spell damage next patch. So both of those things can combine, and this thing can actually get like 14, 15k tooltips fairly <sighs> easily. Um, and it's an instant cast ability. And also, um, I forgot about bash weaving. Uh, it's something that kind of has fallen out of fashion recently, but for a long time, it was something that basically everybody was doing as part of their combos where, you know, like light attack weaving, where you do a light attack and then you can cancel that animation with a skill. Well, you can also cancel that skill animation with a bash. So you can do all three of those things in one global cooldown, light attack, skill, bash, uh, and it's just like, ba bam ba bam ba bam And so that's that's what these bash builds are going to be doing. It's going to be light attack, weave, power slam, bash cancel. Light attack, Ugh. weave, power slam, bash cancel. All three of those will be happening within one global cooldown, and it's going to be a ton of damage. So yeah. it's going to be a very viable thing. I, I honestly, I really don't mind bash builds, but I just feel like every time that they kind of start showing up, they're just way over the top. It's like mm-hmm. they're they're never like, oh, there's a bash build. Like, oh, man, they're pretty tough. Or, you know, it's always just like, oh, there's a bash build. Oh, good Lord. Like that thing's oppressive. Like it's it's just over the top. And then they get nerfed and they kind of disappear. And then they kind of come back and it's like over the top again. I really hope we're not headed back to to that level again. My stam sort just runs away from them. <laughs> it's like, I'm not even going to try to fight them. Like, it's just a hard counter. I literally can't do anything against them, so just run away. One last, it's not really a tip, but I'm just kind of giving people a heads up about, um, you're going to notice some builds of mine going forward are probably going to have some things in common, because I've kind of stumbled upon this, what I'm thinking of as like a build foundation. That's um, just like a really, really good kind of ball of clay that you can start with uh, and morph it into kind of anything you want your build to be. And it's just such a good um, stat sheet to begin with uh, that it just makes it really easy to to take the build anywhere you want to go from there. So it's that set we talked about last week, Wretched Vitality, uh, the Gaze of Sithis, Mythic Helmet, and the Bewitched Sugar Skulls food. Um, I've already put this on a, on a few builds. It's going to probably make its way onto a few other builds just because it's it's so much raw stats, and it's not really pigeonholing you into any kind of play style, right? You still have to choose, you know, Wretched Vitality is a crafted set, so what weight do you want? What trait do you want? What uh, 
what kind of traits are you going to have on your jewelry? What kind of weapons are you going to use? You know, there's still plenty of room for play style there. What class are you going to have? Um, and, and really no matter where you go from there, whatever, like other gear you put in there, whatever skills you're wanting to use, you're, you have such a solid foundation of stats that it, it's, there's no way it's not going to be good pretty yeah. much. Um, so I'm just having a hard time not putting that on, on a bunch of builds, especially I've been all about these really stat based builds where I just want to have the best possible stats that I can. And then it's up to me to make good use of those stats to, to be successful. I don't want the gear to be doing the work for me, you know? Uh, so if that's kind of where you're at, uh, if you're trying to make, you know, really good stat based builds, basically, uh, check that set out, uh, set up out wretched vitality, gaze of Sithis, sugar skulls, and then fill out the rest of the, the gear slots with whatever, um, and your build will probably be in a pretty good spot from there. Yeah, I've got a couple builds that I'm about to start working on, and they're going to start with this setup. It's kind of like start here and like, all right, see where we can go from there. That's exactly it. Like even if you're not, you don't even have a clear build idea in mind, just kind of start with that and see and see what you can do from there, and it's it's probably going to be good. So let's talk about some builds. Davius, why don't you start us off, man? You got some Lord of Nords action for us this week. I'm going to talk about old Lord of Nords, my my stamina DK. Uh, he, you know, most I think most people know at this point. He's he's probably my favorite character to talk about. It's you can't I can't mm. even hide it anymore. He's what's this like six episodes in a row? Or? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and guess what? I'm going to talk about him a little bit more this episode. All right. Uh, <laughs> You know, first no of all, here. he's he's just he's just working right now. I, I've got to start off with that. He's he's just he's working for me right now. Um, and you know, in, in previous episodes, you know, I kind of started talking about my Stam Crow and that build and how it's working really well, and so I was just playing on that, and that kind of caused me to, I you know, I love this character so much that I was playing on the Stam Crow, and it kind of made me realize like. I got to get on a mission here where I got to get Lord of Nords to this damn crow level where I can log in with him and still get these kind of same similar level of BG results. Um, and really kind of with that idea and kind of going for that, that kind of has really evolved this character into, uh, you know, you kind of coined this term, but kind of this like team brawler. He's kind of like this team support brawler and the sense yeah. that, he is he's all about teammates. He's he is very much a team player. Uh, he supports the team, but it is very much from a brawler perspective. He's not going to give out any heals. <laughs> that support takes the form of damage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I really think he's kind of reached his peak uh, with this with this setup that he has right now. Um, just kind of a reminder of the build. Um, it's five piece champion of the hist. Uh, five piece Dagon's Dominion, one piece trainee, uh, the Malakath Ring of Brutality, and then on the back bar, I run the Vatishran two hander, um, and it's powered to kind of up my heels. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I actually use Sugar Skulls for the food, uh, and then nice. I use the Serpent for the Munda Stone. Cool, cool. We're, we're big on those Sugar Skulls right now. Oh, man. It's hard <laughs> not to use Sugar Skulls. Yeah. Um, so. Kind of talking about him, I want to kind of just dial down just a little bit. I, I kind of want to break it up into just two parts here. I want to talk about kind of his offense and his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's always been kind of defensive and tanky. Uh, so I want to start off with the offense here. You know, he offense has always can, kind of been his weak spot. Um, that was kind of the thing that I really noticed with the change with the Stam Crow is that Stam Crow is throwing out a lot of damage. And throwing a lot of pressure on other teams, you know, that, and that was kind of translating to these really good results. 
Uh, obviously, Plague Break had a lot to do with that as well, but <laughs> it's kind mm-hmm. of the, a big part of the Stamp Crow. But really kind of what I what I learned there was that Lord of Nords, while he was tanky, he wasn't offensive enough to put pressure on other teams or other players. And so the biggest change I wanted to make was really ramp up his offense so that he could do that same thing my Stamp Crow is doing, put pressure on the other team. Um, and that really kind of, you know, what we're talking about, this team support, it kind of really helps the team out in two ways. One, it keeps, you know, enemy players and enemy teams from just going full offense on me and my team. That's um, so important, man. Being able to yeah. like apply pressure, you'll see it all the time. Like you'll see teams that have a ton of healing, but they don't even come close to winning the match because they can't kill anybody. Uh, and, and by the time, like if you've, once one of the enemy teams figure out like, oh, they don't have any damage, then they can just go whole ham on them and not even worry about it. But if you're, if you're put, throwing that pressure right back and make them think twice about that, it actually helps the team out quite a bit. It takes the yeah. pressure off of you. Yeah, exactly. And, and then kind of on the other part of this, when you're throwing pressure on a team, you know, just naturally at some point, if you're throwing enough pressure, you're going to keep that team split up or at least, you know, yeah. out of sorts. You know, when anytime you're pressured in a BG and you're about to die, you know, most players get to that point. When you're about to die, it's it's time to get out of there. You got to get out of dodge. <laughs> you either mm-hmm. are looking for a line of sight or you're, you know, you're going full trying to heal yourself. And so it really kind of breaks down that team aspect. You know, you've got a strong team. You throw a lot of pressure and put them in tough spots. Now their team, their team mentality is going to kind of break down. And so really that's a big part of this new setup is that he he is all about throwing a lot of pressure on the other team. And it's not really about kills. You know, I think that's where that really um, teammate of him kind of comes in. You know, he throws out a lot of damage and his damage numbers at the end of a BG are, are great now. You know, he's dealing a lot of damage, but it's not really about the kills. He's just throwing out a lot of damage and it gives potential for my teammates that that have better executability or or better burst ability. You're setting up of, those spikes. Yeah, exactly. And so you give them the alley oop. That's right. How many other sports analogies can I come up with? <laughs> uh, and so it, it's really kind of worked out. You know, he kind of uh, you know set he throws that pressure, throws out that damage, and kind of sets up teammates to kind of get you know finish off and get those kill numbers up. Uh, you know, me and you have kind of joked that uh, really all I'm looking with him now is just what do those assist numbers look like? Mm-hmm. Keep those deaths down and keep those assists up. Um, I like that. Yeah. And so his offense, you know, really, uh, you know, big. the biggest change to that is thrown on that Dagon's Dominion set. That is just a straight buff uh, to, you know, my AOE focused damage. And I cr- kind of readjusted, you know, the ability bar to be very AOE focused because once again, it goes back to that team pressure. You know, I'm throwing damage out there. And I'm throwing it out there on on a whole group, uh, and and just kind of throwing it out there. Not really, I'm not really trying to focus one person and get that kill on them. I'm just trying to throw the damage out there. You know, if they've got a weaker member on the team, they're gonna they're gonna feel that a little bit more. But then you know, even if it's a tougher tougher person on the team, they're still gonna take damage too. So just throw all that damage out there. Uh, you know, and then the Malakath and then the Vatistran two hander also help with that. Just easy damage buffs. Um, but the biggest, the biggest thing is, you know, it's pretty simple. His damage is basically, you know, leap, uh, <laughs> it's kind of in the rotation, but you know, it's just leap, noxious breath, and then the spin to win. And it's just all about just that, that AOE focus damage. Uh, I do throw fossilize in there as much as I can, obviously for the, the great stun that it is, but it also gives that minor brutality that we were talking about earlier. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do have the molten whip ability on there. And that's just, you know, if there is an opportunity where I can, you know, try to finish somebody off uh, if need be, or, or even if it's a really tanky player, just kind of lay in an extra layer of damage on those specific people. Uh, yeah. Me and you have kind of talked. This ability could potentially change to this upcoming Burning Embers ability. Uh, that's going to be pretty crazy self-heal. Um, that's a possibility. You know, the Molten Whip is probably my most flexible ability that I have on the bar right now. So the other part I want to talk about, and this part's pretty similar, you know, the, the defense side of him. He he really, with changing this, getting their offense kind of ramped up, the, the defense is still kind of there as well. He's he's still very tanky. Uh, and me and you have always talked about this in the in the past about the biggest trouble with the with the an ulti build is that you really kind of have to sacrifice something or you have to sacrifice a lot to get that ultimate generation in the build. And I I do you know I always consider old Lord of Nords an, an ulti build, but um, the biggest thing is is that with this build I'm not really having to sacrifice anything for the ultimate generation. You know, um, for starters, you know I'm a Nord because. Well, of course. Because of course you are. But really the biggest, the, you know, that, that champion of the Hist, I don't even really look at that as an ultimate generating set anymore. That's just my stats. That's just to ramp up the stats. Uh, and the minor heroism that it gives is just kind of an afterthought. But that minor heroism combined with the Nord and with the DK, uh, it's really still an ultimate generate. You know, it's so much ulti that he is building and he's still leaping all the time. Um, and so that kind of allowed me to, to throw on that, that Dagon's Dominion offensive set and still have the ulti- ultimate generation, but still be really tanky, um, to get those stats up really high. Uh, so, you know, the, the champion of the hist, uh, that one piece trainee ring and the sugar skulls, um, really allowed me to ramp my stats up there to kind of still be really tanky. Um, and then same abilities I've talked about in the past, you know, I use that quick cloak. Um, that gives the major evasion, which is Great huge. Ability. Oh, so good. Uh, and then I still use the protective plate, which is basically that wings ability. So I have the mm-hmm. snare removal. Those two abilities combined are just so perfect. Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, and then, you know, that back bar with that powered Vatistran two-hander, you know, I've got I've got rally, I've got vigor, and now I've kind of made the change to the coagulating blood, which... Mm. Right now, it's fantastic. It is. I can't even stress that up. Right now, it's fantastic. But this ability is about to get so much better. That, I mean, yeah. Lord of Nords is going to be difficult to tank to take down. Yeah, um, I can't wait. It's going to be. I mean, that ability right now almost completely. You know, I usually have to cast it about twice, and I can go from about twenty percent health to pretty much back fully up because I'm going to have you know vigor and rally going as well. So it's usually two of those and I'm back up and that's very much about to change that it's probably going to be one of those and I'm going to be set. Yeah. Uh, and really kind of last thing I want to talk about is the, you know, I, I do the, the champion of the hist, uh, a lot of body pieces there. So I actually run four heavy and three medium. Uh, and that's kind of the good balance that I've found between kind of tankiness, but still enough medium pieces to, to get that offense going. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just overall, man, I, I really love this this kind of team brawler setup that he has. You know, he takes a whole lot of damage, he dishes it out, um, and he he can kind of, like you said, you know, he kind of sets up the spike, you know, to to for the teammates to get the kills. But he he can throw the damage out there, 
Uh, and he kind of, you know, he's this giant Nord leaping everywhere. He he gets a lot of attention. Uh, yeah. And so he, he definitely, you know, he definitely takes the hits for the team. So it it, it works out pretty good. I've been enjoying it a lot. We, we played quite a bit, uh, paired up with him and my Stamsork, who is like an execute machine oh, now, yeah. basically. <laughs> and that's a... That's a very, very good pairing. Because, yeah, just like you're saying, you get up in there, you take all the attention, you take all the abuse, you get those health bars low, and then I just kind of take my pick. I'm like, I'll take you and you and you and you. <laughs> uh, so I just kind of surf in your wake there and, and snatch up the kills. And it's a, it's a very, very good duo. Kind of perfect, actually. Yeah, it is. It's worked out really, really well lately. Yeah. The Stamsork is still amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of touch back on him. I know I talked about him a lot, a lot on the last episode, so I won't get too in the weeds. But... Uh, uh, Tane, my Stamsork. Uh, nothing's changed at all since the last time we talked. It's still uh, Wretched Vitality on the back bar with an infused bow. Briarheart on the front bar using dual wield, uh, three pieces agility jewelry, and the Gaze of Sithis uh, Mythic Helm. So we're using that, that build foundation, right, that I was talking yep. about. Yep, yep, yep. It's uh, three medium, three light, one heavy, three well-fitted, four divines, Serpent Mundus, Sugar Skulls, and Tristat Potions. Um, so very like hybridish, you know, like a, a lot of a lot of investments into kind of both the magicka and stamina side of things. Um, offensive abilities, kind of my my combo basically consists of haunting curse, endless fury, rapid strikes, and whirling blades, and it's really all about getting that endless fury execute and the whirling blades execute to line up so that I'm I'm hitting them at the same time with two execute abilities. Uh, that's really what I'm all the whole thing I'm trying to do with this build basically. <laughs> the double execute, man, it is. It is lethal. It is lethal. So you do a, a light attack curse on the back bar, then you uh, bar swap and hit them with endless fury, streak into them to stun them, uh, lay into them with rapid strikes until they're in execute range, and then hit them with that spin to win as fury is popping, and they're basically guaranteed to die at, at that point. Uh, and, you know, like I... I said so many times on the last episode, this is extremely effective right here, right now. Like during this uh, White Streaks Mayhem, I keep wanting to say Mid-Year Mayhem, um, <laughs> during this White Streaks Mayhem event, this has been my main dude for just shredding in Imperial cities and Battlegrounds and stuff. He's just like just a mountain of bodies behind him. It's uh, it's pretty darn amazing. Uh, and it makes me really, really excited for the next update because, yeah. you know, the, those abilities just scaling with his 7,000 plus Oof. weapon damage is going to be outrageous. So I'm really, really excited. Yeah. And I, I really don't think I'm going to be the only Stamsork out there with this type of build. I think it's probably going to end up being pretty Can't common. Be, to, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's obvious to anyone who has ever played a Stamsork that this is going to be super strong. So I think it's good, though. I think Stamsorks deserve to have their time. Like, the last time they were really on top, it was... It was the proc meta, and they were they were just successful because of proc sets. Uh, but now they're going to be successful because their actual class is going to be working well for them. Uh, so I think that's going to be really good. Yeah, and I love you, you had mentioned this, and and I think you know Tane is this personified. But uh, it's really cool to see Stamsork kind of have this, you know, for the first time maybe ever, <laughs> this real true class identity. Yes, they feel like a sorcerer. Like, yeah. like you play a Magsork and you play a Stamsork, and they're both, you know, like look at a, a, a Stamblade and a Magblade. Like they're both very much Nightblades, you know, you know, like clearly. But um, a Stamsork and a Magsork in the past have been like two very different things, I think, other than just having streak, you know. Yeah. Um, but but now, yeah, they're like their bread and butter abilities are uh, um, very similar and. Really, the main difference is uh, Stamsork is just more athletic, more aggressive. They yeah. have a 
you know, that more kind of hit and run sort of play style. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to just Tane be- becoming, you know, even more godly than he already is. <laughs> which, which is just crazy to think about because the numbers right now at the BGs, I mean, the other night we, we ran a couple with the Lord and Lord Tane's combo. I think in the first one, I think Tane was like 15 and 0. And then the second one, I think you were like 18 and 0. I mean, just literally, you didn't die. <laughs> yeah, didn't die. Had- and the, the, the kill counts were in the high teens on both of them. Yeah, I've had a I had a twenty five and oh a couple of days ago. It's just like, wild. yeah, he's 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 going on a rampage, and then I'm I've been bouncing around to other uh, characters, other builds that I have, and yeah, none of them are getting those kind of results. Even during this event with a bunch of noobs running around, you know, it's definitely Tane is Tane is doing something special here. Uh, other abilities he's using is streak, dark dill, critical surge, vigor, camo hunter on the on the front bar for those damage passives. Um, I want to talk about the ultimates for a minute because there was a bit of a decision-making process for this. So uh, I have decided to use the Atronach Mundus on the front bar. Uh, and the main reason for that is because um, there's a passive that when you have a Daedric summoning ability slotted, you get an extra 20% health and stamina recovery. That's a huge boost to your health and stamina recovery. You mean the Atronach ultimate? What did I say, Mundus? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, the astronaut uh, ultimate, the astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So the the astronaut uh, ultimate on the front bar um, for having a Daedric summoning ability slotted, you get that twenty percent uh, boost to your health and stamina recovery. That's that's a huge boost. Uh, and don't sleep on that health recovery because we're using the gaze of Sithis that gives us health recovery. We're using the sugar skulls that gives us health recovery. So we act uh, plus our potion is amping up that health recovery by 30%. So another 20% on top of all that, we actually have a very good amount of health recovery that adds to our survivability considerably. Uh, not to mention 20% extra stamina recovery. I mean, that's also going to be a great thing. Mm. Um, and then we have Haunting Curse on the back bar, and that that keeps that uh, passive active on the back bar. So you have that on both bars uh, as long as you have it set up that way. So that's really the main reason I chose the Atronach uh, ultimate on the front bar uh, is really just for that passive. But it's actually a really good ultimate. I kind of use it like Dawnbreaker in a way, like um, when I'm ready to really go for the execute, I summon that thing, which stuns people as soon as it lands, right? And then it, it deals a pretty decent amount of initial burst damage, and then it uh, does this AoE damage. It's very, very strong. Um, so I actually get a fair number of kills with that thing, uh, but just the passives alone make it worth it, I think. Yeah. Well, and the other great thing about it is when you throw that thing down in a BG, it kind of, you kind of lay claim to like, this is my spot. Like you guys yeah. have to go find a new area because I'm, I'm taking this one. People don't like messing with that Atronog. They no. get away from it totally. And you can, and even if people, if it, even if it doesn't push them away, you can use it as a body block. You can kite around it and stuff. It's a very handy thing. Um, back bar ultimate, I've been switching around between negate barrier and overload. All three are really, really good. I kind of have a hard time making up my mind. Uh, negate can really turn the tides in those really sweaty BGs with a lot of healing. If you're kind of coordinated with a group and you drop that negate at the right time, it can totally shut a team down, uh, especially if you have another sorcerer in on the team who's also using negate and you can stagger those, um, they can be extremely effective. Uh, overload, if you're just wanting to go more just straight offensive, you're all you're worried about is just getting lots and lots and lots of kills. Overload can do it. So that's the one where you, you toggle it on, and then while it's toggled on, 
all of your light attacks are dealing like this insane lightning damage. Um, so you just turn it on and just light attack weave your combo like you always do, and it's just dealing like twice the amount of damage that it normally does, basically. Um, so it's it's really fun to use. You'll definitely get some kills that way. Um, but the one kind of downside I see to that is uh, for experienced players, they know what overload is. They hear that sound. They see those <laughs> lightning bolts coming at them, and they go right into panic mode, and they start taking evasive action. So I find oftentimes I'm not actually able to land a combo on somebody with that because they, they start taking evasive maneuvers right away. Uh, whereas if I don't use that, they kind of don't realize what's happening until it's too late. So I'm, I'm actually able to get that kill more often. Um, Barrier is the one I think I'm landing on, though. The the uh, Alliance War support ultimate, uh, that one that you give yourself and your enemies like a really, really big shield. I think it's like almost a 20,000 shield, something like that. It's huge. Uh, and it lasts for 30 seconds and it gives them a heal over time as well. Um, really, really good. Uh, the main reason I wanted that is just because I like having a defensive ultimate for panic emergency situations and I don't have really any kind of support whatsoever with this guy other than just being able to stun people, but that's basically it. So I hate like standing right next to a teammate and they're just like dying and I'm just like, sorry, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) You had this, uh, when we were playing with Lord of Nords the other night and man, like he's already tanky, but I felt like I just could not die. When you were throwing this mm-hmm. out there along with what he already has. So, yeah, I just like having that at least that one option, you know, like I can I can give my myself or my ally this little shield. Maybe that'll help him out. You know, if not, that's you know, tough luck. But that's like the one thing I can do other than stun people. Um, it's just, it's really hard to not have like any support whatsoever, you know, when I'm I'm very like battlegrounds minded with my builds. Um. So anyway, Stamsork's still doing really great. He's actually not even complete yet. Like, uh, um, I don't even have tri-stat glyphs on all the pieces. The jewelry is still just robust. I know, like, oh, when I talked terrifying. about the, I know, <laughs> when I talked about the build in the last episode, I said the jewelry was infused. That's the ideal version of the build. It, it, the jewelry is infused, but actually the one I've been playing, it's still all robust. So yeah, he's actually, cause I'm planning to, make that change as soon as this uh, patch goes live i'm just trying i'm waiting and making sure there's no like major nerfs or anything but he's actually kind of going to get buffed in two major ways right we're getting this hybrid scaling situation plus i'm going to be getting that infused jewelry so his damage is going to go way way up in, in two different ways so i'm pretty darn excited about tane yeah what's what's just like a tooltip example do you know off the top of your head what the curse what the curse and fury are now and what they're jumping to let's see here I think I have it in the build editor pulled up here. Let me see. So my haunting curse tooltip is about 15k, <laughs> and my endless fury tooltip is 16k. Oh my god! <laughs> and they're, I mean, what are, what do you think they're now? Just ballpark. Right now, I think they're like around nine nine thousand each, <laughs> oh something god. like that. Uh, it's gonna be insane. I mean, the yeah. the double execute right now. I've witnessed this thing in action. It just mows people down the double xq people just can't live through it and to think that what that is about to become oh my and it's super it's super fun right now because no one's used to seeing this build you know like they're not they're not expecting that combo like they see me they're like okay there's a stam sork i know i know how to deal with this uh but like they don't realize like I'm the one that put that haunting curse on them. I'm the one that put that mage's wrath on them, you know, and they like, think there's a, a mag sork on the team somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like this, like their, their mental calculus to like counter the situation is just totally off because it's not a spec they're used to 
coming up against them. By the time they figure out what's happening, they're already dead. Like they're already in execute range and it's too late. <laughs> yeah. Um, that'll change. You, you know, people will start seeing more of these kind of builds, I think, here pretty soon. But right now it's pretty fun because not a lot of people are used to going up against it. So there's been a lot of talk recently about maybe becoming a Magblade main, maybe becoming a Stamsork main. <laughs> but you know what? All it really takes is one Battlegrounds match with old Betsy, and it's like, can't get real. You're, you're a Stamplar main. <laughs> you're a Stamplar main. Always have been, always will be. Uh, old Betsy's just perfection. Absolute perfection. <laughs> I kind of, you know, it's been, I've been playing with other builds and having fun with them and getting excited about them. So it's been a little while since I spent a lot of time with Betsy. So it's, you know, I can kind of forget just what that perfection feels like. But, uh, man, I log in with Betsy. I start doing some BGs. And I'm like, oh, man, this is just, this is home. This is home base right here. No doubt about it. So I'm sorry, Betsy. I'm sorry. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> so since, since I've been playing with her recently, I've realized that Betsy basically transcends the meta, right? Like the meta is just kind of doing whatever it's going to do. You know, these balance changes from patch to patch, they happen, but Betsy's Betsy's just doing her thing patch after patch after patch. You know, that's not to say like her build doesn't change. Like the build has changed and, it, and it's changed again this patch and it probably yeah. will change again in the future. But there's like a certain kind of core essence that makes Betsy Betsy. She's never about that meta. It's just not her. Not her thing. Yeah. It's more about like there's a certain play style and a certain kind of effectiveness that I'm, I'm going for. Uh, and the meta is almost... Well, it really is completely irrelevant. Not to say, like, I do find ways to take advantage of the new metas and things, but uh, but that core essence is always there. What Like, the, the feel, the, the vibe, the, the effectiveness, what she brings to a team, all that stuff is always there. Uh, and I've never sacrificed any of that. She's always just kind of constantly becoming a, a better version of what she was before. Um. So her new setup, we're, we're using that, that foundational kind of uh, setup that I was talking about earlier. So we are using uh, five pieces Wretched Vitality on, on both bars. Uh, Deadly Strikes as a front bar set with a, a sharpened maul. Um, Master Bow on the back bar. Uh, Gaze of Sithis, Mythic Helm. And one piece Baylord. Uh, it's a five medium, one light, one heavy setup. Uh, four well-fitted, three divines. Uh, the jewelry pieces are all three swift. Uh, with damage glyphs on all three pieces. It's weapon damage glyphs right now. Those are going to change to spell damage glyphs uh, with the next patch. Uh, Serpent Mundus, Sugar Skulls Food, and the Tristat Potions. So, you know, like we said earlier, that that Wretched Vitality, Gaze of Sithis, Sugar Skulls Foundation, it is there. Um, there's at least two more builds. I'm going to be putting that on as yeah. well. So, <laughs> Well, and it works because, you know, I think the two builds you've talked about, you know, for you, anybody that knows you knows that Stamsork and Briarheart are are married. Those those are tied to you, and your Stamsork's yeah. wearing that 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 foundational build with Briarheart, and the same thing with with your Stamplar. It's always been it's Deadly Strikes and what else, and it's the same thing. It's mm -hmm. that build set up, but you you fit your specific set that you like for that for that uh, build, and you so you fit the Deadly Strikes, and you kind of go with the with the foundation. So it's it's kind of really cool what what it's allowed. Yeah, and it started with me just kind of in the build editor plugging these sets in just to see what it looks like, you know, and like, oh, maybe I'll use it, maybe I won't. But then once I plug it in and I just, I'm seeing it there, now I'm in a situation where how can I not use this, you know, <laughs> like, and I'm, I actually went through quite a bit of research and, and looked at quite a few different options to, 
try to find something different. But at the end of the day, this really is the superior option as far as kind of how I want this build to, to play. Um, so the whole reason I wanted to even update the build at all, it, like it was perfectly great as it was before. I could have not made a change at all and it still would have been totally great in the next coming update. Um, but I wanted to take advantage of this hybridization somehow. Um, and really the main way I can do that is by using uh, Breath of Life or the other morph, Honor the Dead, actually, is the one that I'm using. And um, in order to do that, I just, I'm going to have to have more Magicka recovery, right? That's a pretty expensive ability, and it's something that you find yourself spamming quite a bit if you're trying to heal a teammate or something. Um, so before, I had absolutely no investment in Max Magicka, absolutely no investment in Magicka recovery whatsoever. So, you know, maybe I could do two Breath of Life's if I'm lucky, and then that's it. Um so Wretched Vitality is the obvious solution there, right? It gives me a bunch of uh, stamina recovery um, and uh, and magical recovery. Now, I wasn't totally 100% certain that I wanted to use Breath of Life, though. Like, there's other abilities that I certainly wouldn't mind using, and I don't really need Breath of Life for myself. Like, I've never had trouble uh, keeping myself alive with Old Betsy. Uh, it would really just be for uh, support. So my... My way of thinking was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to use Breath of Life, is Wretched Vitality still a set that's worth using, or should I stick with the set uh, that it replaced, which was Bone Pirate? Bone Pirate, great set. Love Bone Pirate. Been using it a long time. Um, so I did some comparing. Okay, like if I'm not going to use Breath of Life, um, which set is better? So let's let's do a comparison here. Keep in mind with Bone Pirate, uh, you basically have to use Dubious Cameron Throne for your food because of how the five-piece bonus works. Um, and with Wretched Vitality, you can use anything. So I'm going to be using Sugar Skulls with that. Now, with the Wretched setup, I'm going to totally ignore uh, any Magicka-related stats because in this scenario, I'm not using Breath of Life. So um, the Max Magicka from the Sugar Skulls and the Magicka Recovery from Wretched Vitality, totally irrelevant, right? Mm -hmm. So with all that stuff kind of uh, taken into consideration... If I have the, the Bone Pirate setup and the Wretched Vitality setup kind of side by side, and I've... I've made the adjustments to the attribute points. I've gotten all the stats uh, rounded out and, and where I like them. Um, where I end up is, with the Wretched Vitality setup, I end up having uh, 179 extra weapon damage and 500 extra health recovery. Uh, and with the Bone Pirate setup, I have 142 extra stamina recovery and 1,000 extra max stamina. So that's... That's the choice being made. Do I want 142 stam recovery and 1,000 max stamina? Or do I want 179 weapon damage and 500 health recovery? Now, pretty close. Pretty close comparison. It's really just kind of two little, um, you know, stats, stat bonuses that we're choosing between there. Um, and it's really just a matter of what you would rather have in your build. And I think either way you go, it's going to be a strong build. And like, none of those stats are going to be enough to make or break the build. It's just... What would you rather have? Which of those stats would you rather have? And for me, the the recovery already feels very, very good. Uh, so I don't think I need that 142 stamina recovery. And I don't think that 1000 extra max stamina is going to be is going to be impactful to the build whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I just don't think that extra stamina recovery and that extra max stamina is actually going to be something that I that I feel the impact from uh, in my build, whereas you know, more damage is more damage. 179 extra weapon damage. Um, I'll certainly take more damage anytime I can. And that 500 extra health recovery 
I absolutely do feel that in my just own survivability combined with the other health recovery that I that I'm getting from other things in the build. I mean, I would say it's kind of wild, but you know, Tane is—he's got streak, and he's—he's he's all over the place. He's got the speed and things like that. But old Betsy might even be better at surviving tough situations than even your Stamsork. <laughs> oh yeah, Betsy does not die. Yeah, just plain just and simple. Not, Betsy doesn't. Not die. her thing. Not her thing at all. And so, what's interesting about this is, you know, we're we're in this scenario. We're deleting half of wretched vitality. We're ignoring the magicka recovery. We're ignoring the max magicka that we get from the sugar skulls. And even so, it's at least comparable to Bone Pirate, and it's actually maybe slightly better than Bone Pirate, even if we delete half the set. Yeah, it just kind of goes to show just how much incredible value the set is is giving you. Um, and plus, you know, we're getting 4,000 max Magicka from Sugar Skulls and 700 Magicka Recovery um, from Wretched Vitality. So, of course, if I'm using Breath of Life, there's no even there's nothing to even think about. But even if I'm not going to use Breath of Life, I probably will continue to use Wretched Vitality even so, even if even though I'm not even touching the Magicka at all. Yeah. Grizzly's asking, what if you did a drink buff that uh, gave health and magic a recovery uh, along with Bone Pirate? You certainly could, but I think in that case, uh, your max stats are going to be in a not such a great spot. Dubious Cameron Throne is basically the only drink buff uh, that gives you like a decent amount of max stats at all. Um, so that's Wretched versus Bone Pirate. I would say basically any build, if you're using Bone Pirate, Wretched Vitality is a very strong contender for that. And if you're using the Magicka version of Bone Pirate, what is it? Um, is it Brightthroat's Boast? Yeah. I would say absolutely use Wretched instead. No question there. Well, and I think it's even worth, you know, mentioning that on Old Betsy, you have been doing the Breath of Life and it's, it's been huge. I mean, you can, um, you know, I don't want to say you're spamming that thing, but you can throw a lot out there and your team support heals have been extremely high on this character. Yeah, I've started using it already, and the tooltip is it's like around 9k right now, so not huge, but I mean it's pretty good. But what's nice about it is uh, using Breath of Life on a stamina Templar who really doesn't rely on Magicka at all. And like I said earlier, my own self survivability has always not been a problem, even without Breath of Life. Um, so what's nice is is I can kind of like if I have a teammate who's like on the brink of death, I can just spam Breath of Life as many times. Like I can just completely deplete my Magicka bar all the way down. Uh, and once I'm out of Magicka, you know, it, it sucks for my teammate. I can't continue to heal them, but I'm still going to be fine, right? I still have all the tools that I've always had to keep myself alive. So I kind of like that about it. Another build decision here is Gaze of Sithis versus Ring of the Wild Hunt. On the last episode, we talked a little bit about how Wild Hunt doesn't really give as much value uh, as maybe we, we thought it did in the past, and this is just a perfect example of that. I've replaced that with Gaze of Sithis and went with three Swift on my jewelry instead of Infused. So now I'm actually faster than I was uh, with Ring of the Wild Hunt. Uh, my max stats are in a much better spot. Sithis has given me so much max health that I can basically take all of my attribute points out of health and put them into stamina instead. And that's basically making up for the damage loss for me not using inf infused jewelry and basically getting that, that damage right back because of how much more stamina I have now. Um, so it's just better survivability. I'm faster, um, better max stats. The, the damage is basically the same. I really haven't sacrificed anything at all. Uh, and I've, I've gained all this other stuff. Uh, that's just a, an example there of, of why Wild Hunt maybe isn't so great. 
Uh, another decision, if uh, people, uh, I know I've, I've seen a lot of people use the Black Rose Bow for their back bar. Um, and I was considering using that instead of the Master Bow uh, for this build, because I think it would be a little bit more damage. It would make the combo feel a little bit more bursty. But a big problem I ran into with the Black Rose Bow on the back bar is um, when you open with Draining Shot, if you bar swap too fast and you end up on your front bar before that hits your target, it actually won't proc. Uh, the Black Rose Prison Bow. You won't be getting that extra damage from it. So you have to hit your target with that ability, stay on your back bar until it hits them, then bar swap, and then you'll get the proc from it. And this is a super fast-paced, real high energy, high actions per minute kind of build. That's just, we we can't have that, right? I have to be able to bar swap cancel <laughs> abilities and things like that. Um, and with uh, Master Bow, it's, it's not a problem. I tested both of these over and over and over again. It happened every single time with the Black Rose Bow, and it did not happen a single time with the Master Bow. So not an issue with the Master Bow. You can bar swap cancel that one all day long, and you're still going to get the buff from it. Um, so just something to keep in mind there. So yeah, this is just an upgraded version of the old build. You know, better max stats, the same damage as before, basically the same stain as sustain as before. She's faster, she has better survivability, better group support. She's just all around better than she was before, and she was already great. Yeah, and and she's only going to be a little bit better with the new patch. So One interesting thing to think about is my Stamplar versus my Magplar now, because they're, they're so much more closer together than they've ever been, you know? They're, yeah. They're both orcs. They're both uh, very, very fast and speedy. Um, you know, of course, they both have jabs. Uh, the, you know, Stamplars and Magplars already look very similar as far as their abilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they both have Breath of Life or, or Honor <laughs> of the Dead. Uh, so it used to be like, well, which one do I want to play with? If I if I just want to go on offense, I'll play with Betsy. If I want to have more support, I'll go with Butch the Magplar. But now it's either I could go either way. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out in my own mind. Like which which one of these two I'm going to end up gravitating towards as time goes on. I feel like probably Betsy, just because I, I really love that that stamina play style, that high aggression, high. I, they're both fast, but the the Stamplar is faster, and she can. You know, just by having a big stamina bar, she can sprint further, dodge more, block more, do all that kind of stuff. So I have a feeling that the Magplar might not get a ton of playtime in the near future, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Otherwise, that's all the builds I've really been playing with. Just those two, the Stamsork and the Stamplar. We've been doing a lot of stuff with this... um, this white streaks, may- I'm never going to get used to saying it's white never, streaks mayhem. It's never going to roll off the tongue, is it? It <laughs> does not roll off the tongue the way mid-year mayhem does at all. But uh, we've been having a blast, and we had some Imperial City uh, fun. Shout out to Grizzly Khan and Dr. Professor. We all grouped oh, yeah. up, did a goon night the other night, went to Imperial City. It was a lot of fun. We, I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> we had a, a classic sit-chair moment. Not Maybe not like the moments used to be, but it was still a classic Sit chair. Uh, we had a great, we had a great sit chair situation. <laughs> Our favorite activity to do in Imperial City is uh, we go to the sewers. Uh, we start at home base and we run all the way to the middle. We kill everything in between. You know, get all that Telvar, uh, kill Molog Ball, and then we pick an enemy tunnel and run all the way to their door. And of course, kill everything in between, all the bosses and everything. Um, you usually end up with like around 10k Telvar yeah. if you don't die that whole time. It's a pretty, pretty good little haul that you get there. Um, and then when we get to the, to the enemy base, uh, we touch the door out of a sign of disrespect, of course. <laughs> it's the most important part. <laughs> Very important. 
Uh, and then we all do sit chair slash sit chair where your characters all just sit down in a chair and you wait for enemies to come out and just have this kind of dumbfounded look on their face. <laughs> like, what is going on Why here? Are these people just sitting here. And of course, anyone who, as long as they don't attack us first, we just let them go on by. We're not here to start trouble. Of course we are, but you know, anyone who doesn't want to fight, we don't want to keep them from having a good time. So we, we let them go on. Um, we sat there for quite a while and, uh, one of the, one of the dudes that was sitting up on their perch up there, uh, was whispering to me and he was saying, I'm blowing up our zone chat. We're going to have a bunch of people here for you, uh, here pretty soon. Or like, okay, we're, we're ready for a fight, I guess. But we were not ready because I think probably 30 people showed up all of a sudden. Like we were just wiped out in the blink of an eye. <laughs> well, and it was, it was super impressive that they did not show up. They did not come out the door. They had yeah. snuck around behind us. They came from the way that we came. We were not planning for them to come behind us. But, yeah, it was about 30 of them came from the way that we were not expecting. Usually we can see them. You know, they come out on that ledge and yeah. we can kind of see them building up and go, okay, we can kind of get ready. Nope. We were still sitting no chair. We react. were relaxed. Uh, and then, yeah, they came up behind us and it was just all of them all of a sudden. Yes. So, there, yeah, there's absolutely no time to react. It was even well time because I think, a, I think a Sork even streaked through us to start it. Mm-hmm. And then they just, yeah, it was it was pretty great. Yeah, it was hilarious. We lost a bunch of Televar, but I think it was worth it just because oh, it was so, so funny. Worth so worth it. It was hilarious. But, I mean, we were we were out there for quite a while. We went up top for a while as well. We got into a bunch of, you know... Small fights, big fights, really, really big fights. You know, we had a, we had a really good time. Pretty good little squad we had going on there. It was yeah. you were on Lord of Nords? I was on my Stam Sort. Grizz was on a, a Warden Healer, and we had uh, Doctor Professor uh, Genkin on his uh, Magblade, and uh, and I just had a really good time with you guys. It was really cool hanging out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, yeah, shout out to you guys. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, another shout out to Grizzly Con for being first in the chat tonight. Uh, nice, thank you very nice. much, Grizzly. And really thanks to both GrizzlyCon and Dr. Professor, as always, for joining us in the chat. Uh, always enjoy having you here, fellas. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, always a great time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, we have a guild. It is called Stoons Goons. We are the best named guild on PCNA. We are also, it is also uh, the official guild of the Scrolling Podcast. If you want to be a member of Stoons Goons, um, hit us up. Send us an email at scrollingpodcast at gmail.com and we'll send you an invite. If your guild roster is, or if your guild list is full, uh, and you just want to join the Discord, that is totally fine. Scrollingpodcast at gmail.com. We'll get you in the Discord. That's where most of the action happens anyway. So, um, at the very least, join the Discord. I'm just waiting for one of these times. One of these times in your spiel, you're going to be like, and if your guild list is full, drop one of those guilds right now. (laughs) (laughs) One of these times, you're going to throw, you're going to throw a left, uh, a curveball. Well, the problem is someone will drop a good guild, and then they'll be stuck Whoa. with us. And- Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Shots fired! <laughs> they don't want anyone dropping any good guilds and then not be able to get back into Come them on. once they realize what they've done. <laughs> One day. Stoon Skins. It's going to be huge. Hey, you, you brought it on yourself. Well, I was doing good. <laughs> you were sticking to the script. It was, it was perfect. You are the best name guild. I threw it all off. I, I brought it out. That's on me. Also, send us an email for anything you like, any uh, suggestions for the show, any questions, anything you want to hear us talk about, uh, really anything you like. Just say hello. Tell us a joke. Scrollingpodcast at gmail.com is the place to send that stuff. Uh, anything else, Davius? Uh, I, do, I feel like I do have to mention that uh, 
Grizzly Khan. He did betray me. You know, I did some Cyrodiil, which, by the way, <laughs> Cyrodiil uh, is still uh, terrible on the performance. He's <laughs> still bet. not great and really bad. I've not gotten there at all. Actually, I did go to Cyrodiil for the gold vendor, and just doing that was <laughs> just awful. Frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that pretty much sums it up. But uh, honestly, it was it was a hilarious moment. I was doing Cyrodiil just to get the. Uh, the Telvar for the monthly um, uh, campaign, and you know I'm I'm with not a the bunch Telvar, of, the Transmutes. Yeah, the Transmutes. Right, sorry, right. and I'm with a bunch of EP. You know, we're raiding a keep, and and you know I, I we're at a door, and so I die, and you know I'm looking at my death recap, and it's oil, and I look up, and Grizzly Khan himself killed me with the oil. He poured it on me. That's what got me. Sob. That's that sob. I never, I never saw it coming. Your own fellow goon, <laughs> just, just goons fighting goons out there. Well, is Grizzly, uh, is Grizzly Aldemiri right? Aldemiri Dominion. No, it's DC. DC. No, it was DC. Grizzly says, "Don't stand in stupid." <laughs> Solid advice. Uh, well, you know, I was <laughs> that oil. That oil will sneak up on you, though. I mean, that stuff is powerful. Well, and with the performance, I, I had died seven seconds earlier uh-huh. and didn't yeah. even realize that I had died by the time. So that's a valid excuse. Absolutely. <laughs> I thought I had gotten away and then it was like, Oh, nope, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Server desync. It happens all the time. Yeah. It's good times. It was a pretty hilarious moment. All right. Well, I think that's all we got. We're going to call it right there. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next time. waiting.